It's been a little while, but we're so glad. He's no, no longer a guest. He is a friend. And uh, we're so glad he is back today. But would you put your hands together and welcome Brother Jeff Morgan as he comes to minister today. Would you continue to clap your hands under the Lord simply because he's worthy. He's God. There's none like him. None beside him. None else but him. Praise God. Such an honor to be back here on this Lord's Day. I guess any day is the Lord's Day, so make it more specific today. Um, Enjoy the snow. Glad I got to get on this side of it Um, when it's melting. Really um, was looking so forward to being here and picking back up, if that's the correct term. Uh, I just feel like there is such an unfinished uh, work that God is going to complete here. Um, And I think that the change as of the first of the year is synonymous with the will of God, the purpose of God, and the timing of God. And uh, if you're here today and you don't have the Holy Ghost, I hope the next 30 or 45 minutes is life-changing for you. I really do. If you're a backslider... If your heart's not where it needs to be, I hope the next little while changes your absolute world. It's an honor to be here uh, to the rights, to uh, Bishop and Mother Wright, and then Pastor Joel and his wife. Such an honor and a privilege, these great men of God on this platform. And most of all, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And after that, the great saints of the Lord. Amen. If you have your Bibles, and uh, we'll turn with me to the book of Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. A familiar passage of scripture. I want to be obedient to what I feel uh, in the Holy Ghost here today and uh, believe in the Lord for 500. I don't know where we are in that number, uh, but that wasn't just a casual uh, moment of faith. I believe that was the will of God being spoken, and I think the Lord needs to add to that number today. Amen. Um, I, I believe that with all of my heart. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples, also he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I want to read this again. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples, so in other words, he didn't leave anybody out. He, he got the, he got the up and coming, he got the established Christian, He got both sides of the coin. He said, I'm going to tell all of you something. Whoever among you that thinks he's going to follow me, this is the path. Deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. I want to preach today the cross with no nails. The cross with no nails. Would you lift your hands and your voice and would you seek the Lord with me just for a moment here? You don't have to be depressed. It's going to be okay today. We celebrate the cross. Amen. Father, we love you today. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for dying on the cross. 
Thank you for Calvary. Thank you for what you did for us. In the name of Jesus, clap your hands and give the Lord a shout of praise while you're being seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. We have become an insatiable generation. We seemingly never are satisfied with what we have. No matter how much we accumulate, we want more. The more we have, the more we want. Some call this simple phenomenon the Barbie doll law. This generational so-called Barbie doll law stemmed from the days when girls wanted a Barbie doll. Then after they got the Barbie doll, they wanted more. So uh, they was created a market to follow this, and it was accessories. It wasn't enough just to have the doll. You had to have the shoes and the purse and the different hairstyles, and the law was set. With whatever you have, it's never good enough. With whatever you have accumulated, you need to accumulate more. And so we began our life from infancy with this thought, this concept, this law of it's just never enough. It's just never good enough. And so it becomes an everyday life. More often than not, we come to the end of every endeavor and we want more. We simply are discontented. We are simply unhappy. Henry Kissinger, former United States Secretary of State, right, wrote to Americans, the greatest tragedy is wanting something very badly and not getting it. But many people have had to learn that perhaps the worst form of tragedy is wanting something badly, getting it, and not finding it content enough. So each generation seems to raise the contentment level with every new technology and advance. We seem to need and want more. I I, I laughed in just a few weeks ago. Um, my my boy, we were out there with him during his treatment, and he wanted to go out out of the house, and so we ended up at Best Buy. It's dangerous at Best Buy. And so we all had the latest iPhone 6 because that's the law of my house. You get the latest phone. And so we walked in there, and I, I should have known when he said Best Buy, you know, just Best Buy, not Walmart, not Target, not the mall, but let's go to Best Buy. And so we walked into Best Buy, and we made our way over to the iPhone counter. And he said, Dad, did you know that the new phone is out? It's the bigger one. It does this, and it does that. And I said, but Colton, we, we just got this phone, and this phone is good. He said, yeah, but... It doesn't do this. And he began to show me. And I said, son, we, we don't, we don't have any upgrades. He said, oh yeah, we got upgrades. He said, there's a new, th- you're looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. And there's a new thing now. You just, you just upgrade every six months. You just buy it and you just take your phone in. And I said, are you kidding me? Are you serious? You brought me to Best Buy to work me for the new phone. He smiled and said, absolutely. He's an honest little fellow. I said, but what about the one we have now? It's perfect. He said, yeah, but it's not the latest. Just going to let that sink in just a minute. Yes, but it's not the latest. I would like to say that I remain strong and I didn't buy him a new phone, but I did. And I bought my wife one and I got one. I mean, it only costs us 30 more dollars. I mean, who cares? You got to have the late for $30. I'll take five. And so that is the law that we live in. That That is the paradigm that we operate in. We didn't have computers. I'm going to sound real old here today. We didn't have computers when I was his age. We didn't know what a computer was. 
But if kids today don't have the latest and the greatest, they are outdated, they live under a cloud, it's not fair, it's just not life at its best. Are you with me today? And that is how we view life. That's how we view the world. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church some 2,000 years ago and he said, I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. He was not looking back. He was making a very modern statement everywhere. And in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry. There's no remorse. There's no bitterness. There's no frustration. He just simply says, wherever I am at present, I have learned to be content therein. Amen. But the secret of contentment is not found in objects. The secret of contentment is not found in wealth. The secret of contentment is not found in what we accumulate. The secret of contentment can only be found in Jesus Christ. It's not the newest invention. It's not creature-made comforts. It's not the latest techno toys, nor the accumulation of wealth, nor the world's multi-amusements. It's in Jesus Christ that I live, I breathe, and I have my being. It's in the knowledge that He saved my soul. Come on, clap your hands and give the Lord praise here today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's not things that make me happy. It's not wealth that makes me happy. And some would retaliate and say, but if you had that, you would be singing a different song. Some of the wealthiest among us die the most loneliest deaths. I picked up a magazine some years ago uh, written of Richard Pryor, the movie star, the great man. And he wrote an article, or they were interviewing him, and they were talking about his wealth and accumulations. And he said, yes, I've owned that house, and I own this house, and, and I made this amount of money, and I've had these kind of cars, and I've traveled to these parts of the world. And he concluded with the question, in all that you've had, and you look back upon life, would you say that you are happy? And the article read like this. Richard Pryor bowed his head and said, all the money in the world, all the wealth that I accumulated all the connections I've made he said I stand today the emptiest of empty and the loneliest of lonely I've got news for you Hollywood can't give it to you a car can't give it to you the job can't give it to you friends can't give it to you there's only one that can give it to you and his name is Jesus and there's none like him there's none greater than him come on sir come on ma'am if you walked into this place empty or lonely today the answer is in Jesus. The answer is in Jesus. I would like to be able to buy what I'm preaching, but there's no money in the world that can buy it. I would like to tell you, you could barter with what I'm preaching about, but you don't have anything worth what it's worth. It is joy unspeakable. It is full of glory. And the half has yet been told. One prophet said, it's like fire shut up in my bones. It is joy unspeakable. It's fire. What does that sound like? It sounds like happiness. It sounds like joy. It sounds like contentment. It 
sounds like something the world can't give and the world can't take away. It sounds like contentment. It sounds like joy. It sounds like peace. I know those words are foreign in 2016, but there is a God that will make you happy. There's a God that will give you joy. There's a God that will supply your need. There's a God that will fix what's broken. There's a God that can make things right. cross the cross that beautiful object the cross that 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 tree that piece of wood that thing that codifies that thing that is synonymous with much i am fearful today that in the course of my preaching i will not do it justice if there is a topic that i am very careful of handling it is the topic of the cross i can preach faith I can preach in filling of the Holy Ghost. I can preach blessings and miracles. But when it comes to the cross, there's something different about the cross. There's something holy about the cross. There's something righteous about the cross. I'm not talking just about the two pieces of lumber. I'm talking about what it meant, what it held. I'm talking about what was nailed to it. My hopes, your hopes, my dreams, your dreams. But not just the good of my life, the bad of my life. Every mistake I've ever made, every stumbling, every failure I will make, it was on that cross. It was the cross that made the difference. It was the cross that cleaned me up. It was the cross that stood me up. It was the cross that fixed me up. It was the cross that took what's broke and made it right. It was the cross that found me undone. It was the cross that makes my world tick. It's the cross that loves me. It's the cross that saved me. It's the cross that keeps me. Come on, sanctified, Holy Ghost, feel righteous, beloved. You ought to be excited about the cross. If anything gets you on your feet or if anything puts you on your face, it ought to be the cross. Without the cross, we have no Christ. Without the cross, we have no salvation. cross made a difference the cross changed my world I remember as just a young boy raised in an apostolic home I went to Sunday school at five years of age and sister Ida Dixon and Yvonne Mason were my teachers and uh, on that morning pastor they taught from Jeremiah's writing about the man that had a stony heart and they said that if you have a stony heart that when the rapture took place you would be too heavy to fly away. Now you gotta remember, I'm only just shy of six. I'm, I'm five years old. And I sat up and took notice. Hmm. A stony heart weighs too much. A stony heart will keep you out of heaven. A stony heart will not be pleasant with God. And so I left Sunday school that morning and it troubled me all afternoon. At four o'clock in the afternoon, my family would gather around the radio and we would listen to Unshackled. And at five o'clock, we got ready. And at six o'clock, we was in a prayer room. And at seven o'clock, church started. I sat through church that night listening to pastor preach about salvation and the cross. And it just kept messing with me. The cross, my stony heart, the cross, my stony heart. And so after, I know this is kind of foreign to Christians today, but after church, we still had family prayer meeting. And so I remember going over to my mother and putting my head in her lap. And I began to weep and mother put her hand on my head. And she said, Jeffrey, what is it? I said, Mama, I weigh too much. True story. 
She said, what do you mean you weigh too much? I said, my heart. My heart's too heavy. My heart's made of stone. I got to get a fleshly heart. I got to get the rock hard heart out and put the rock. Mother put her hands on my head and she began to pray. And when she prayed, the Holy Ghost came. And for the first time in my life, I got a close up of the cross. I got a first hand experience of the cross. And since five, it's kept me. Since five, it's protected me. Since five, it's blessed me. Come on, Pentecostals. Thank God for the cross. Thank God for the cross. Where would you be set there if you want to? That's okay. I'm happy about the cross because if I didn't have the cross I wouldn't be here today I wouldn't have hope today I wouldn't have peace and joy today thank God, thank God, thank God he understood the plight of humanity he understood where they were the cross the cross was formed with a purpose the cross had an objective in mind. In biblical days, that cross was intended solely and entirely for punishment. It was meant to inflict pain and ultimately death. The cross was the corporal punishment in which man could be punished for his crimes. Every man despised and repulsed by the very mention of the cross. The words, death by the cross, were the most horrifying words a man could ever want to hear. Yet God, are you listening to me? Yet God, the God of heaven, the great Savior of all humanity, stepped out of heaven and robed himself in flesh. He was justified, seen of angels and preached unto the Gentiles, but he delivered himself to that repulsive, horrendous moment on the cross. When nobody else would, he did it. When nobody else could, he chose to. Sin was powerful, but his blood was more powerful. Uh, I said sin was great, but his blood is greater. I said the stigma of sin was on all humanity. But when the blood touched you, when the blood found you, when the blood cleansed you, when the blood fixed you, when the blood loved you, sin had no hold on me. And that's why Pentecostals sing, thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. In sin I wandered sore and frayed with a bleeding heart and an aching head till Jesus came and sweetly said, come on Pentecostals, thank God for the cross. Thank God for the cross. The cross. Clap your hands and shout for the cross. Sir, ma'am, no matter what they tell you today, you can't be saved without a cross. And I wished I was just preaching to visitors here today without the cross in your life, but I'm not. I'm preaching to more apostolics that have forgotten the cross. I'm fixing to preach to you. Hang on. We have forgotten the stigma of it. We have forgotten the pain of it. We have forgotten how heavy it is. Because the cross of Christianity today is not the same cross of Calvary. See, the cross that we want to carry today, it looks good. It feels good. 
It will fit into any scenario. But the cross of Calvary, it won't fit just anywhere. It won't go most places. If you're going to have this cross, you're going to have to figure out a way to stay attached to it. Not disengage from it when you leave here on Sunday morning and pick it back up next Sunday morning and live how we want to live Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. The cross that I'm going to preach about demands some nails and the nails keep you fastened to it. You don't get the luxury of taking it off when you don't feel good. You don't get the luxury of disengaging when you choose to do something you know you shouldn't. But the cross, I know you're getting quiet now. We like the beauty of it, but we don't like the weight of it. A cross was chosen. A cross that meant pain. A cross that meant suffering. A cross that meant embarrassment. A cross that meant shame. A cross that would ultimately lead to death. Nobody wanted that. Nobody wanted a cross in Jesus' day. Matter of fact, I read just recently that when a person died upon the cross, that you had to go into your genealogy and you had to erase the name of the one that was crucified. That at family reunions, you couldn't even bring up the name of the once crucified. I wish I could tell you that happened, but it didn't. Because the one that was crucified, his name is etched into my heart. It guides my feet. It touches my hands. We sung about him today. We preached. Well, we might as well have a little church on Sunday morning. Bless that wonderful name. Bless that wonderful name. Bless that wonderful name of Jesus. For there's healing in the name. There's salvation in the name. There's protection in the name. There's... And then the course say it's Jesus is the name. Jesus is the name. And 2,000 years later, we're still preaching Jesus. We're baptizing in the name of Jesus. We're healing it. But the cross, the cross of Jesus, it was horrendous. It was gruesome. It was, I, I, I hesitate, and I've already said, I hesitate even trying to depict what the cross was. Because there's no, there's no picture, there's no video, there's no movie that's ever been made that could accurately depict the suffering and the cost. When you take a man's flesh and you rip it from his body so that his entrails are visible. Just, just pause with me a minute. When they took that whip and they beat him to the point of death, no man should suffer like that. No man should feel that kind of pain. Yet when he picked himself up off the ground, on his way to the cross, he reminded himself by those stripes, they will be healed. No, no, see, that's, that's the problem with Pentecost today. The cross that we want to wear goes around our neck. We fasten them to boblets and we put them in our ears. We put them around rearview mirrors. We hang them on our walls. We paste them 
to our rearview mirrors or our cardboard. It doesn't work that way. That's not the cross that I'm preaching about. That's not the cross of ease. That's not the cross of complacency. The cross that we are supposed to pick up and bear is the one that he bore. It's the cross that cost you. I know. I'm preaching to good Christians here today and I'll put the air quotes there because I want you to know I'm talking to you. I'm preaching to good Christians today that come to church on Sunday morning but you disengage from the cross as soon as church is over and you don't think twice about the cross until next Sunday morning and somewhere somebody convinced you that that's okay that you can live for God and make heaven. This preacher is going to tell you something today. Not if you're going to God's heaven. Not if you're going to walk streets of gold and see walls of jasper. No, 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 no. I don't mean to make you mad but I do want to save your soul the cross that I'm preaching demands that you forsake everything and everybody and all you gotta pick up this cross and you gotta follow help me Pentecostals the cross of Calvary demands your everything not half not almost he wants everything about you hear me man hear me lady you gotta give God your everything got this we've got this cross now help me preach today holy ghost we've got this cross now that even in baptism we look for an easy way yeah 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 i was talking to a fellow that used to be my neighbor and he said jeff he said I, i've got a revelation and i said well let's hear it and uh, you you used to know him and he said i don't believe you have to baptize only in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, I think that we can be more inclusive. And I said, well, I'm all about that. Give me this revelation. He said, well, the name of the Father is Jesus. The name of the Son is Jesus. The name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. And if I'm calling that over the person I'm baptizing, he knows what I'm saying. And he says, well, I have determined or decided that from now on I'll baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, which is Jesus Christ our Lord. And that will be biblical enough to get them into heaven. And I said, that's maybe okay for you, but that's not okay for me. And that's not okay for the cross because the guy that died on the cross said, whatsoever you do in word or in, help me, in deed, do all, everything, anything, all things in the name Don't let them lie to you. Don't let them give you a cross with no nails. Don't, don't, don't demand the nails. Say, I can't get off this cross. I got to take this cross to work. I got to take this. I'm going to tell you. If you're here today and you've never been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I command you like they did in the book of Acts, you need to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, Son, Holy Ghost ain't enough. Father, Son, Holy Ghost ain't biblical. It's not going to get you on the right cross. But if you want the right cross, if you want to do it the right way, whatever we do, we're going to do it in Jesus' name. Preacher, you'll make folks mad. It's easier to do it the way where everybody likes it. Yeah, I know it is. You ought to see me trying to get on the airplane with the cross on my neck. You ought to see me trying on clothes with the cross on my back. 
I hope you're reading between the lines. You ought to see me trying to go places with the cross attached to me. I'm telling you, it'll make people mad. Huh? It'll, it'll upset some folk. Cause everywhere I go, I gotta worry about this cross. Every- There's some of my friends that don't like it when I show up because they don't quite know what to do with the cross. And they try to talk me into leaving it on the outside when I'm together with them. But if I can take the cross off my back, it means I am void. I am absent of what holds me to it. And my flesh cannot hear me today. My flesh cannot handle a cross with no nails. So today I tell you, put me on the cross. Nail me to the cross. I won't disengage from it. I'll You'll have more visitors help me today in the next few minutes than most of God's people will. Because we've learned how to have church without it. We've learned how to dress without it. We've learned how to stay or, well, we've learned how to marry without it. We've learned how to raise kids without it. I'm going to make a foreign statement to most apostolics. My kids don't go everywhere the world goes. My kids don't wear what the world wears. My kids don't talk like the neighborhood kids. Folk today in Christianity want to figure a way how to get this comfortable. There is no comfortable way. It just, the right cross won't fit in your earlobe. I said the right cross won't fit around your neck. You know why? Because you have the ability to take it off. You can reach up there and pull it off that rearview mirror. But when you are attached to it and you have fallen in love with Jesus and you looked into his eyes and said, look at me, disciple. Look at me, follower. Listen closely to me. If you're going where I'm going, you better hear me today. If you're going where I'm going, deny yourself. We've not even got to the pick up of the cross. We need to talk about denying ourselves. I don't go to that church because they expect too much of you. I don't go to that church because they celebrate too much. I don't go to that church because they want you there Sunday night and Wednesday night and Friday night. And they want you to get involved. I'm looking for the church where I can slip in on Sunday and disengage Sunday afternoon. And not, oh, it's getting quiet. And not worry about anything or anybody. I just want a cross that fits my lifestyle. It doesn't work that way. It will never work that way. Not the cross of Jesus. The revelation, the cross, deny, 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 deny. You may not go anywhere you want to go. You may not. Come to believe that it's no longer, it's 
no longer a factor in Christianity that a cross is mentioned. In fact, it's become a fashion statement to have a cross. Oh, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? I was talking to a fellow at Walmart the other day, of all places. And uh, we were standing outside, and I was waiting, like most men do, for the wife to have a great time. She promised me she'd only be in there for a while. You'd think, after almost 28 years, I wouldn't fall for that trick. A while. Please define me a while. Sometimes it's two minutes. Sometimes it's 12 hours. She said, do you want to wait on me? I'll just be in there a while. I said, sure. So I waited in the truck a while. Got tired of that. And stood by Walmart exit a while. And fellow walked out and stood with me a while. I'm not bitter. I'm, I'm, I'm praying about it. I'm getting through it. And uh, we got talking. He said, so what are you doing? I said, well, I'm a preacher. He said, oh, that's great. I am too. I said, oh, man. That's great. Great. You don't know my pastor. And I said, man, that's great. He said, yes, sir. He said, I, I believe in the cross. And I said, well, I do too. And you know, it's one of those conversations where you knew it wasn't going to go anywhere good. But you needed to kill. Well, you need to be there a while. And so I engaged the foolishness. And I said, well, just... Just what kind of preacher are you? You know, you, you put a quarter in that machine. You should not expect a surprise. He said, I'm one of them Pentecostal preachers. I said, oh, so am I. And I could tell I had me a live wire. We're going to have some fun now. I said, well, bless your heart. So am I. And he said, yes, sir. And boy, he began to tell me. He, he began to set me straight on what the plight of the world was and how to fix it. I said, man, I, I agree with most of that. And some of that. Well, I agree. I agree. I didn't want to tell him what I really agreed with. But anyway, I agreed. And so he stood there a while and he had a coat on. He reached in his pocket and pulled out. Don't, don't judge me. I'm just telling the story how it happened. Pulled out a pack of cigarettes and began to smoke. And I'm thinking, mm. okay, all right, that's cool. Evidently, your cross is not my cross. Because my cross says deny yourself. And anything that controls my flesh, it's going to get quiet, isn't it? Anything that tells me I am your God cannot be attached. I'm trying, I'm trying to help somebody here today. I'm trying to preach somebody out of hypocrisy. And I said, man, let me stand downwind of you Pentecostal preacher. Because my, my body can't handle that. My, I don't, I don't want to do anything to hurt this thing. I, if Jesus said, deny yourself and anything that controls me. Uh, I just wonder how far I need to go with this this morning. Anything that controls me cannot be controlled or is not control of the Holy Ghost. So it's too easy for me to say, hey, cross, if you'll just wait right here just a minute. I don't need your condemnation. I don't need your conviction. 
I don't need your judgmental attitude. So I'll leave you there. I'll come over here and do what my flesh wants to do. But when I get ready to be a Christian again, I'll pick you back up and put you back where you belong. And I'll be Christian on Sundays and Wednesdays, half a day. But all the other five and a half or six days, I'm just going to live how I want to live and do what I want to do. I would to God I was only preaching to visitors here today. But I'm fearful that there's a lot of us Pentecostals that's got this mindset that we can disengage from this cross. We like the cross. We like what it does. But we don't want the nails attached to it. The cross is no good without the nails. I pray conviction baptizes this congregation this morning that we are afraid to move. Garibaldi promised his fighters hunger and death but a free Italy. Winston Churchill told the British people that he could offer them nothing but blood, sweat, toil, and tears in their fight against their enemies. But when we quote Jesus, speaking of the necessity of total commitment, even to the point of death, we start saying that's just not fair, that's just not right. But it was Jesus that looked at you and me and said, if you're going to go to my heaven, you must deny yourself and you must pick up your cross and you must follow me. Why was he so harsh? Because maybe, just maybe, he knew what was ahead of them. And he knew what the cost was going to be demanded of them. And he knew if they could get down off that cross, they would make the grandest mistake of their life. I need you to hear me in the next five minutes. Andrew died on the cross. Simon was crucified. Bartholomew was flayed alive. James, the son of Zebedee, was beheaded. James, the son of Ephesus, was beaten to death. Thomas was run through with a lance. Matthias was stoned and then beheaded. Matthew was slain by the sword. Peter was crucified upside down. Thaddeus was shot to death with arrows. Philip was hanged. Only John made it through alive. But he was exiled to a small island in the Mediterranean Sea. And you think the demands that Jesus makes on you is unfair. Apostolics, look at me. I know there's things that we don't do. And there's things that we don't go. And there's places that we decide not to visit. And we call that, we call that a choice. It's not a choice. It's a mandate of the cross. If you're going to go to God's heaven, you've got to baptize yourself with the commitment to the cross. But the commitment to the cross is only as good as the nails that hold you to it. If you are not nailed to it, if you don't make up your mind today, there's nothing that Jesus could ask me to do that I would not do. There's no place that he would ask me to go that I would not go. If it meant, if it meant losing this whole cross, it was the cross that made the difference. It was the cross that saved me. I, you were clapping when I preached that 15 minutes ago. It was the cross that loved me. It's the cross that keeps my family together. It's the cross that brings healing to my body. It's the cross. Do you really believe it's the cross? Then why are we so quick to leave the cross? Why? Why is it fashionable? Why has the cross become so appealing? Because it no longer holds the connotation it once did among church members. I collect articles like this. I, I don't. I don't listen to much music. People laugh at me, but I, I, I couldn't tell you who the latest group is. The, Carol Magruder's. Does that help anybody? That dates me, doesn't it? They both. They're both in heaven now. 
They're the only singers that I ever follow. People laugh at me. I couldn't tell you who the latest Christian group or the latest. What I, but I read about it. And I follow magazines and I read articles. I love to read. And I picked up an article that said if Christian, if Christianity is going to survive in this moment, it's going to have to take the offensiveness out of its message. Hear me. And it went on to say, songwriters and singers have got to negate blood, cross, dying, consecration from their songs. It is grotesque to the hearers of it. And if you don't believe me, start listening or reading the lyrics of what is popular today. We are falling prey to the same thing. We've got to realize that is ugly. That is not fun. I know this is the most unpopular message in Pentecost. But that, what it's symbolic of, it's not fun. It's, it's not. Even in revival on Sunday morning, those that should love it the most are finding it a little less appealing in 2016. Because we want the feel-good sensation of prophecy. We want the feel-good cessation of words. We want to be able to do what we want to do and say what we want to say, act how we want to act, and we are forgetting. I can't go anywhere without the cross. It won't fit just anywhere I try to sit. It won't go to some places my flesh would like to go. I can't dress it how I'd want to dress it. Because I'm nailed to it. And it in and of itself is offensive. It's bloody. It's rough. It is divisive. It is distinctive. But it is salvational. If you're going to go to heaven, you've got to have a cross. If you're going to go to heaven, you've got to have a cross. But you don't need a cross that you can get off of. You don't need a cross that you can climb down off of when you don't feel like it. You don't need a cross that will allow you to go places where you know the cross doesn't want to go. You need a cross that will demand the nails. And when they put those nails in your hands, you need to feel the pain of it. And the decision making that comes with it, I choose to follow him. So today, I plead with you, it's okay to take the cross. It's okay to bear the cross. But don't. Don't be the modern Christian that says, give me the cross, but don't nail me down. I want the decorations of the cross, but I don't want the marks of the cross. I want the prestige of it, but I don't want the stigma of it. I want the power of it, but I don't want the passion that is required to obtain the power of the cross. I want the hope of the cross, but I don't want the obedience necessary to it. Give me the cross as part of my religious basis, but don't nail me down. I'll carry it without commitment. But if I'm nailed to it, I'll be forced to make some radical changes to my life. Give me the cross to make it appealing to my semi-conscious soul. But don't expect me to lay it down because I will have to obey some things that now I can just say no to or yes to. 
at a moment's notice. Don't nail me down. Because to be nailed down means I have to make some hard decisions in my life. To be nailed down to the cross means it's impossible to turn around. Because I have totally committed myself to the cause of the message. To be nailed down to the cross means I may hurt. I may suffer. I may not be as popular as I wish. But I'm telling you, with the cross on my back, I know my salvation is intact. I know my future is secure. I know God is on my side. Come on, Pentecostals. Where is your cross? If you have a cross attached to your life, possessions cannot stand between you and it. Worldly activities cannot stand between you and the Lord. You can't let people stand between you and the Lord. Your ideas and personal feelings cannot stand between you and the Lord. It's okay to handle the cross, just don't nail me to it. If you do, I may have to give up everything, not some things, to get him. I might have to surrender my will and my way to find his will and his way. I might have to obey regardless of my personal interpretation of scriptures. So don't nail me down. It might cost me too much to be nailed down. So I'll make you a deal, preacher. Sing to me about the cross, but I'll offer no commitment. I'll feel good in service, but don't get it too personal. I'll mingle among the saints, but don't point out my sin. I'll hobnob with the world and ride the fence being spiritual. But don't put me on the spot and require much of me. I'll run with my outside friends, but don't ask me to be a witness to them. Go ahead and receive the offering, but don't ask me to make a sacrifice. To sum it all up, I love the cross. I just don't like the nails. Help me, Holy Ghost. If you could have anything in this present world, if you could choose right now today to have anything in this present world, what would you ask for? If, if, if God himself would stand before you and say, ask me anything right now. Whatever you choose, whatever you ask, I'll give it to you. Most would say money. Most would say security. Most would say worldly things. But David summed it up and said it best. One thing have I desired of the Lord. And that will I seek after all the days of my life. I just want to dwell in the presence of God. I just want to feel the Lord. I just want to be surrounded by his presence. Come on, somebody. He could have asked anything in his request. He could have said, let me live in it. But he doesn't want to chat for a while. He doesn't want to visit it a little while. He don't want to drink a cup of coffee on the back porch in the morning with it. He said, I want to be nailed down to it for my life. Don't let anything take the cross from me. Don't let anything become more important to me than the cross. I know I'm boring some of you, but God, help me preach to the rest of you. you got to take the cross. you got to realize the power of the cross. There's a difference in playing with it and playing around it and picking this dude up and saying it's mine and wherever he leads me I'm going to follow wherever he wants me to go I'm going and the cross comes with me I'll never let it go I'll never lay it down I'll deny myself but I'm going to follow Jesus I think we ought to pray right now I think hands and hearts ought to be lifted right now come on congregation the cross the cross the cross
at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received. And now I am happy all the day. Where's that song? Where is the hunger for the cross? Let's have revival, preacher. Talk to us about 500. Prophesy to me. Tell me what you need me to do. Give me some great feet. We'll accomplish it. I'm going to make it so simple you won't believe it. Nail your hide to the cross this morning. 500 could happen tonight if we'd all get back on the cross. Because today where we go eat, we take the cross with us. And the cross is always looking for the hurting. The cross is always looking for the down and out. The cross is always attracted to the sinner. But when we don't have the cross, we can't find what God wants to find. Come on, church, and help me just a moment. Take your difficulties and nail them to the cross. Take your dilemmas and nail them to the cross. Take your weakness to the cross. Take your pains to the cross. Your burdens, your fears, your anxieties, your struggles, your temptations. Take them to the cross. For at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, that's where everything got good. That's where everything was fixed. That's where it all starts and it all ends. I've often, I'm done. I've often wondered what it must have been like for Mary, the mother of the man Christ, the mother of Jesus, to be in that situation where the child that she birthed, the child that she loved and raised, oh, what it must have felt like to look up into his eyes, swollen, beaten, bloodied. I, I'm not going to bloody the cross. If you can't fathom it like it truly is, I, I, can't, I can't paint it enough. But I often wonder what it would be like. I, I, I have a picture, and I, I, I don't want to just pull personal cards out on you, but I have a picture that I, I, I hope I can keep forever. Just a few days after my boy started treatment, he was extremely sick, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. But I, I was in the living room, and I was pacing, and I was praying, God, touch him, God, you, you got to help him. And I, I got to looking for my wife and concerned about her. And so I, I looked in our, this was a condo in San Diego, I looked in our little bedroom, and she wasn't there and looked in the kitchen. She wasn't there. And I thought, well, maybe she's in there with him. And so I walked in and she had, she had stretched herself out over him on her knees and she had bent herself over the bed and she had took him and took her arms all the way across him and took her arms and over him on the other side. And I just stood at the door and I watched her weep and her shoulders would sob and I'd hear her say, Oh God, touch my baby. I can't imagine. With that little bit of pain that my wife was feeling watching her body sob and weep. What Mary must have really felt like. Are you hearing me? Uh, what, what would it have been like to be Mary and look up into his eyes and say, it's my baby. I watched him drive his first nail. I, I, I took him and packed his lunch for his first fishing trip. I, 
And now they've beaten him and they've crucified him. Only for those blood-stained, blood-matted eyes to open and him look at her and say, Woman, thy son. Fella, your mother. Can you imagine the emotional slap that must have taken place when he looked into the eyes of the very vessel that brought life to him and said, you mean absolutely nothing to me right now. I have so voided myself of the emotional connections of this present world that you mean nothing to me. When I tell you the cross is heavy and the cross is ugly, stop trying to beautify it. Well, I would serve God, but my family, you may just have to make a decision. And it may just cost you your family. Because if I remember the words of Jesus, he said, you are not even worthy to be called a disciple. Lest you are willing to hate your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your houses. And Now, he didn't say you had to. He said, you just got to love me more than you love them. And if the day comes when they start choosing. The cross is not pretty. The cross is not easy. And I'm sorry, visitor, if you thought you was going to hear a preacher talk about how pretty it was and stand up here and look like a mouse that ate the cheese and tell you just come love Jesus, everything's fine. This is the good life. It's a good life, but it's a tough life. You hear me? It'll cost you everything. You're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to tell yourself you're going to be different from this day forward. Oh, help me. Five minutes. Just tell me five minutes. You're going to have to be different from this day forward. But that's a good thing. Because the drugs that you're addicted to, you're no longer addicted to them. The alcohol that controls you, you're no longer controlled by them. The hurt, the devastation, the loneliness of your life, that goes too. I don't think you heard me. The cross fixes everything. The cross is the solve to all dilemmas. The cross... I'm done. I just need your help. The cross is the balm of Gilead. There is a physician in this house. There is balm in this house. It's the cross. It may be heavy, but I'll suffer it because of the benefits of the cross. Come on, congregation. Stand with me right now. The Holy Ghost is in this house. Don't stop. Come on. The Holy Ghost is massaging hearts here today. The cross is working on people here today. I don't know. I don't know if there's a preacher alive today that wants a reviving, a revival, an evangelism breaking asunder, whatever terminology, more than I do. 
I don't know that I've met anybody that wants it more than me. And I have preached revivals and had 498 get the Holy Ghost, and 700 get the Holy Ghost, and two and 300 get the Holy Ghost. It's almost, it, I told somebody that I said, preaching people in the altar is as easy as, as eating a cheeseburger. I mean, it, it's, it's not difficult. I can't believe preachers can't preach people into an altar. But you know what I've noticed? Preaching them to an altar with emotions. And the beauty of this. I didn't see them the next week. And so I just made up my mind. I'm going to make this thing as ugly as I can make it. I'm going to tell you the horror side of it. And if you fall in love with that. You'll never leave it. When I found the cross, it had splinters in it. Blood was still flowing down it. The carcass of the man called Christ was hanging on it. It's not easy. There's times my flesh wants to do things I know it should not do. And thank God for the cross that kept my flesh from doing what would be destructive and damnable to it. Come on, folks. We, we, ought to be, we ought to be celebrating the day that when we fell in love with it, we're still loving it today. It has not lost its power. It has not, not been diluted. It has not grown weak with use. It is still as powerful today as it was when he first died on it. The cross made the difference. The cross was the difference. The cross, married couples, if you're going to survive in 2016, you better fall in love with the cross. You better put the cross on your back. You better not let anything take it off your back. You better walk with it, sleep with it. Don't, don't, don't judge me. I, 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 I read, I read, I read. I'm sorry, I read. I read about Hollywood. I read about sitcoms. I read about baseball. I read about football. I read about cowboys. I'm trying to think of things I don't read about. I, well, there's a whole lot I don't read about. It's just don't have to state the obvious. But I, I have noticed a trend. I've noticed a trend from uh, Hollywood that wants to depict the married couple. Not quite how I see it here. And the problem with that, it becomes a law. Because everybody that partakes in that brings into their, their homes, their bedrooms, their marriages. And the world begins to emulate what Hollywood portrays. Galatians 4, we bring with us our beggarly elements. That, that's the suitcase of junk we bring with us. And so it starts infiltrating the church. You may tell you the greatest weapon of defense against Hollywood. Let me tell you something, Pastor. You don't have enough lessons. You can't study enough. You can't pray enough. Then a message that can be preached up here as powerful as you making up your mind.
and say it doesn't matter what it costs me. It doesn't matter where it takes me. I'll deny myself. I'll pick it up. I'll nail myself. Come on, pray with me. Lift your voices. Pray with me. Pray with me. There needs to be an altar call here today. Here's how we're going to make an altar call. Won't you listen carefully? I'm, I'm just doing exactly what I feel of the Holy Ghost. If you're here today, visitor or saint, and there's something broke in your life, there's something broke in your world, come. Come. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, the burdens of my heart. It was there by faith. I received my sight. And now I am happy for the day. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. If you're here today and something's broken in your life, come. Finances, marriage, mind, soul, spirit. It doesn't matter what it is, there's something broken in your world. It's not right. Come. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. And the burdens of my heart, they rolled away. Come on, keep coming. It was there. Keep coming. Come on, come on, come on. Press your way in. And now I am happy all the day. At the cross, saint of God, if you don't get that cross, you got to wear it whether you feel like it or not. you got to carry it whether it's comfortable or not. you got to acknowledge the importance of it and never, ever, 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 ever let it go. Keep coming. There's people in the center aisle trying to get in. On the side aisles trying to get in. Come on. Keep coming. If you're in one of the aisles, step in. Step up. Come on. I want everybody that wants to in this altar. If you're here without the Holy Ghost, you're visiting and you need the Holy Ghost, come. If you know somebody's here that's never been touched in the Spirit of God, I want you to invite them with you to come. I want every believer, I want everybody in this altar, lift your hands right now. Every hand lifted. Every hand lifted. If you're going to be in this altar, you got to lift your hands. That's it. 
We're going to have this revival the way God wants us to have it. But it must be born of the Spirit. It's easy to get people to obey what God needs them to do when they're attached to the cross. Keep praying. Keep hands lifted at the cross. At, at the cross where? Keep praying. Keep praying. Pick up your cross. Pick up your cross. Pick up your cross. Stop arguing with God about your cross. Stop trying to figure out an easy way to bear your cross. Stop trying to argue. Stop trying to negotiate the cross. You've got to carry it just like everybody else carried it. there I'm going to believe that if there's somebody next to you that the Holy Ghost you'll turn to them if there's people in this altar that do not have the Holy Ghost you ought to be praying with them right now talking about a 30 second prayer I'm talking about something that changes your world grab a hold of this don't hurry from this moment deny yourself deny yourself in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus the cross the cross the cross, the cross, the cross, the cross, the cross, the cross makes all the difference. That's it. That's it. That's it.
with me just one more time? Would you stretch your hands up? Can we lift our hands across the front of this building? Keep praying. Stop looking for an easy cross. Stop looking for an easy Christian. Stop trying to find the easiest way to get to heaven and find the right way to get to heaven. Saints, if there's anybody in this altar praying for the Holy Ghost, you need to look around. You need to make sure you get to them. Come on, folks. Look in this altar. If there's anybody here without the Holy Ghost, you ought to be praying with them. Come on. Pick up His cross. His is the right one. No, it may not be the easiest. It may not be the lightest. But it is the right one. It's the one that will get you where you really want to go. Come on. It was there, there by faith, that I received. I say, keep praying. The cross. Saint, visitor, you better fall in love with this cross. There's a reckoning coming to the church. There's a day coming to the church. You don't want the easy cross. You want the right cross. I receive my sight. That's it. At the cross. At cross pray that's it come on receive you the holy ghost receive you the holy ghost that's the power of the cross just go ahead and deny yourself pick it up walk out of here today a new creature in Christ Jesus yeah yeah but I feel such an inward struggle deny deny Folks, they're praying for the Holy Ghost. Pick up your cross, man of God. Pick up your cross, saint of God. Come on. There's commitments to this thing. There's disciplines to this thing. Stop listening to what you want to hear. Hear what is needed. Hear the words of eternal life. works the cross works